How worried are you about Dylan Carlson's future? We'll do his season review today, plus another deal featuring the Cardinals acquiring a catcher via trade has been brought up. We'll be discussing that as well on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. You are Locked on Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Cardinals fans, I'm J.D. Haffer, and I'm a national radio sports anchor, born and raised in the Lou and a lifetime Cardinals fan, and I'm your host for Locked On Cardinals, covering your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter at J.D. Sports Radio. Follow the podcast at LO underscore Cardinals. I want to thank those of you who make Locked On Cardinals your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get podcasts. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're also available on the YouTube. If you haven't been there yet, be sure to stop on by like subscribe comment that way you can interact with us and hit the notification button so you know when new episodes are being posted this is a show serving cardinal nation and giving the best fans in baseball all of the info about the birds on the bat today's episode is brought to you by bet online bet online has you covered this season with more props odds and lines than ever before bet online where the game starts well first and foremost i hope you had a great holiday yesterday hope it was a good one maybe you're still enjoying it which is great too I uh, hope you ate plenty and uh, that everything was up to par to your expectations. Um, we got we had a massive feast. Uh, we went over to my wife's aunt and uncle's house, and they got this big old crib, and it's got a lot of room for all of us to move around, plenty of space to eat and do what you got to do, and um, it, it was a lot of fun. So I actually took some pictures just to kind of share with you guys what it looks like. So if you're on YouTube, okay, that's the plate. There it is. So there's the turkey. That's what the bird looked like. Uh, we actually had two of them. One of them was 23 pounds. And then she also said they made a smaller one. I think it was more like a 14 pounder, which I believe is this one that you're looking at right now on YouTube. That's, that's the picture of it. Uh, my older brother who who has cooked his whole life has uh, worked in restaurants and whatnot. It's like, looks more like a chicken to me, but I promise you it was a turkey. Most definitely was. And now here is what the plate of food that I had looked like. Now, this was plate number one, by the way, just so you know. Uh, my final count was actually three full plates of food that looked just like this for the most part. Double turkey, mashed potatoes, carrots, stuffing, some rolls, and not pictured here, but I promise you I did give the cranberry sauce a whirl again. You don't see it on this initial plate that's on YouTube, but I did try it one more time, and I still... Don't get it. I don't know why it's there. I don't know what it brings to the table. Like, I don't understand what it does to make is the turkey dry. And that's why you add cranberry sauce. I don't know. I don't, I don't get, I pour gravy on it. That's what I do. If it's a little dry. Uh, what I did fail to do was get a picture of the desserts, but Oh, we had some good ones. Apple pie, pumpkin pie, uh, black raspberry chip, ice cream cake, pumpkin cheesecake. And then my favorite one that they do is this chocolate eclair cake that their grandmother makes. Holy moly. So good. Uh, needless to say, I haven't been that hungry today, <laughs> but it was fun. And I hope you had uh, an enjoyable one just like I did. And speaking of fun, besides winning awards in the offseason, uh, other fun things to talk about in the offseason is, of course, the rumors and the speculation about who's going where and how. And there was another write-up done this time by MLB.com's Anthony Castrovitz, who did a... Uh, kind of like a play on the Black Friday deals type of article 
uh, that, that happened today. I don't know if you did any Black Friday shopping. I, I've done none. Um, but he kind of, you know, put it into the mindset of baseball, uh, like trades and, uh, you know, what, what he thought would be a good Black Friday baseball trade deal. Get it? What he was doing there? All right. So anyway, he goes through a few of them, and um, he mentioned one that included the Cardinals. And he mentioned uh, that they were going to trade for a catcher. And this time, this article was about the Cardinals trading for Alejandro Kirk from the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, here is what the article says. The Cardinals would get Kirk, the Blue Jays would get Nolan Gorman, and then Freddie Pacheco, the Cardinals' number 22 prospect. He's a right-handed pitcher. The Cardinals need to replace. This is his write-up, by the way. I'm just reading it verbatim for you. The Cardinals need to replace a legacy catcher and have interesting position player depth elsewhere. The Blue Jays have an excess of talent at the catching spot and need a left-handed power bat. Let's get these crazy kids in a room together, preferably at the winter meetings, which, by the way, in case you didn't know, coming up, they start on December 5th, and uh, hash this out, is what he says. Here's a proposal. A deal sending 2022 All-Star Kirk to St. Louis where he can ably fill Yadier Molina's big shoes and give the Cardinals an offensive boost with his terrific discipline and contact. To get Kirk, the Cardinals give up Gorman, whose range limitations make his viability at second base a question mark in the post-shift world. What is not in question is his power potential from the left side of the plate. And boy, do the Blue Jays need to balance their right-leaning lineup. They could conceivably shift Gorman to a corner outfield spot and or use him as a DH. The Cardinals could, of course, do the same, but they have outfield depth and top prospect Jordan Walker looming. The hard-throwing Pacheco rounds out this deal as a near-term bullpen option for the Blue Jays. If that seems like an overpay for Kirk, or if the Blue Jays would prefer to keep Kirk, then these clubs could still match up on a deal for Gabriel Moreno or Danny Jansen. Or perhaps there's a deal to be swung in which the left-handed hitting Lars Newtbar goes to Toronto instead of Gorman. The bottom line is these two teams can fill each other's needs one way or another. So, what do we think about that write-up? What I want you to do is leave your thoughts in the comment section below or hit us up on Twitter. Looking at this baseball trade value website, that trade that he proposes kind of looks like this. Uh, let me bring up the graphic for you on YouTube. Okay, there you go. So there you go. Gorman and Pacheco, Alejandro Kirk. So Gorman and Pacheco are worth, according to this website, 34.60 in trade value, while Kirk is worth 39.30 all by himself. So uh, this actually favors the Cardinals, his uh, proposal here. So it might take someone bigger than Pacheco to get it done. Uh, maybe uh, Dakota Hudson or uh, Jake Woodford, who are valued more on that website than Pacheco is. Uh, what if you had to send Gorman and his best buddy, Matthew Liberatore? What about that? What if that had to happen for you to get an Alejandro Kirk? So I just I just haven't gotten on board with this, this Kirk train yet. And, I, and I'll tell you why. I've had my head stuck on Contreras and Murphy. And perhaps that's my mistake. Uh, I'll admit it if I'm wrong. But maybe I don't give Kirk enough credit. I mean, he was an all-star this year. He's much younger than both Contreras and Murphy. He's only 24 years old. And the minors, he had success everywhere he's gone. Hit 354 at rookie ball at age 19 in 2018. At A and high A in 2019, combined 297 home runs, 44 RBIs. After COVID, he's at AAA in 2021, hits 347 in 14 games before getting called up and in 60 games, 
hits 242, but eight home runs, 24 RBIs in his first stint in the majors. And then last year, he's an all-star. Hits 285, 14 bombs, 63 ribbies. Named an all-star, you know. Um, his defensive numbers, if you're worried about that, they look strong. Committed just three errors last year, but I will point this out that he only played in 78 games at catcher, and then he DH'd in 50 others. But in all five years of his pro ball, his fielding percentage is 993. It's not horrible by any means. And his caught stealing percentage is 32% overall. And he hits right-handers very, very well, which we all know is something the Cardinals want to improve on. Now some things I do worry about with uh, Alejandro Kirk. I worry about his size and his uh, his weight because I I know catchers usually have a little more girth to them. You know, you got to nice to have a little extra padding back there. They're getting balls fouled off their bodies all over the place. I, I understand that. But Kirk on baseball reference is listed at 5'8", 265 pounds, 5'8", 265. Most of the other sites have him at 245, but still, that's a thick dude. He's a thick boy for sure. And baseball savant has his sprint speed at a whopping three, <laughs> which who cares, right? I don't care how fast he can run, really. I mean, that's not what he's getting paid to do. I mean, have, have you ever seen Yachty or Molina run? All right, not a lot of speed on him. But I, I worry about how he's going to maintain that weight moving forward in his career. Extra weight obviously means extra stress on your body and your body parts in general. So that could be a concern as far as being susceptible to injuries. Mobility down the road. You got to be quick behind the plate, right? To stop balls in the dirt. Somebody spikes like a, you know, a slider or something. He's got to, you know, scooch over. If you're too big, you can't do that. Now is pop time, which is uh, what when like the, when somebody's stealing off of him, catches the ball, pops up, throws to second base or third base, whatever it may be. His pop time, time uh, 34th percentile. That's below average. It's not awful, but it's below average. But his framing, 94th percentile. So very good at that. And we know the Cardinals appreciate that. And um, looking at some of his other stuff here on that baseball savant, his barrel percentage, 40th percentile which isn't great. That's a little bit below average, but he's above average or great and everything else, especially his K percentage, 98th percentile. So he's not chasing balls, you know, out of the zone. That's not his thing. Walk percentage, he's in the 88th percentile. Gets on base a lot, whether it's through swinging the bat or taking walks. He's got a good eye. There, there, The proof's in the stats there. The other thing I worry about, though, it's only been one season in Toronto. So basically coming off a rookie year is what we're talking about. Is that what the Cardinals are looking for? Are we looking for a, a first-year catcher? I didn't think so. Doesn't really seem like a Cardinal thing to do, at least in my opinion. I feel like Contreras, Murphy, even Christian Vasquez, formerly of the Astros, I feel like those routes are more of a Cardinal-style acquisition, a veteran who they know what they're going to get you know, as opposed to a bit, a bit of a wild card. Okay. He's done it for one year. Great. How's he going to hold up over three, four years? I mean, only caught 70 games, only 70, you know, that's not a lot. That's not even half the season. Now they could pivot. Another move could be to pivot to uh Jansen, one of the other blue Jays catchers we brought up uh, that, that was mentioned in this article, but 
He's only cracked 100 games once in his career at the big league level. Career 223 hitter, below average catching metrics. No, I don't like that. No, thanks. Why would we? Why? Why would you want that? The article did mention a trade for Sean Murphy, but not with the Cardinals. Had the Guardians getting him for their number three and number four prospects. So if you flip that to what the Cardinals' terms would be, that would be pitcher Gordon Graceffo and outfielder Alec Burleson. And I think if the Cardinals got that offer for Sean Murphy, they pull that trigger in a heartbeat. I think they would. But I think the A's are going to want more than that. Uh, Sean Doolittle put in a, was in a piece on ESPN with a, with a group of people talking about different maneuvers and trades, things they think will happen. And he thinks the Cardinals and Wilson Contreras are a perfect fit at a four-year, $76 million contract. He says the Redbirds need an everyday backstop to step into the sizable empty shoes of Molina. And Contreras is easily the best on the market as a player who fits the bill on the field and in the clubhouse. Because that's another side of things is you got to worry about the fit. How is that person going to be in the clubhouse with the other players? And we've never heard anything about Contreras being anything but a, a great guy. I've never heard anything wrong. And I just feel more comfortable with Contreras and his massive offensive upside. And, of course, you've got his limited <laughs> framing ability, which people complain about. But I feel like, can you not coach that up? Can we not get him better at it? I don't, I don't understand why he's just, nope, you're screwed. That's just who he is. He just sucks at framing. I, I don't know why that's a thing. I don't know why he can't learn still. He's 31. He's not 81, you know? Um, and then you've got even better, in my opinion, is Sean Murphy, who is still very good offensively, but an absolute stud behind the plate at everything. I would take one of those two guys over the Blue Jays guys every day. Again, leave your thoughts below in the comment section on YouTube. Uh, we're going to talk about Dylan Carlson next. Are we, are we worried about Dylan Carlson's future after this past season, which understandably was a disappointment? We'll talk about that next on Locked on Cardinals. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. Always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix on whichever sport you're interested in. Uh, Thanksgiving Day uh, football yesterday. Phenomenal tradition. We had three games. Uh, Bill survived against the Lions. Cowboys and Giants. That was a good game. Actually, a lot closer than what the final score appeared to be, but uh, I believe it was an eight-point finish. And I brought I brought it up that I was like ten-point spread in the division game. Giants, Cowboys. When the Giants aren't that bad this year, seemed like a lot of points. Um, and then you had the Vikings squeaking by New England, another tough one that went down to the wire. Um, they were fun games. I enjoyed watching them yesterday, and that leaves uh, us a little bit light on the schedule for this weekend, but still plenty to go around. Bengals at Titans should be good. Playoff rematch from last year. Uh, Commanders only favored by four at home against the Falcons. Do you trust Taylor Heineke and their recent success, or do you think the Falcons pull this off? I don't know, man. Commanders, uh, they've, they've been on a roll. Chiefs, 15-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the defending champion Rams who are a shell of the team that ended up winning the Super Bowl last year. Been cutting all their running backs. <laughs> you had Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, they're all hurt. It's a mess in L.A. this year. Uh, Eagles only six and a half on my Packers and Aaron Rodgers, who finally let the cat out of the bag, that he broke his thumb, which I speculated was his issues since their game against the Giants over in London. They were 3-1 and one 
It wasn't pretty, but they were three and one. They blow that game against the Giants. Rodgers gets hurt, and they have not been the same since. I mean, the guy just doesn't lose the ability to throw the ball accurately over all of the years that he's been good. Back-to-back MVP, come on now. But that's been his big issue. But I feel like six and a half points in the games in Philly? Hmm. I'm not, I'm not trusting the Packers this year. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about online. It's where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen today. For your second listen, check out Locked on Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Outfielder Dylan Carlson. Again, um, some pretty high praise ever since the Cardinals drafted him. First rounder, got him out of high school back in 2016. Uh, he he, California is where he's from. And you remember he came up and, you know, again, you get him out of high school. So you got to be a little bit patient. Not everybody just progresses at the age of 18 and just wham is in the pros. Like a couple of the Braves guys this year, you know, uh, but age 20 Carlson plays at double A and triple A hits a combined 292 with 26 home runs and 68 RBIs and 20 stolen bases. Then you have the COVID year, which he actually ended up coming up to the Cardinals to play on, but you know, he wasn't an everyday guy yet. So we don't really count that 2021 though. He shows those same types of skills at the major league level hits 266, 18 home runs, 65 RBIs, only two stolen bases, but he finished third in the rookie of the year voting. And we all are like, yeah, Dylan Carlson. He's our next stud outfielder, right? You've got gold glove stuff all over the outfield. Like you're thinking about the outfield coming into 2022 and you're like, dude, we got, we got gloves everywhere. O'Neal and left hitting 34 bombs the previous year. Harrison Bader in center field, solid hitter, but amazing on defense. And now we got Dylan Carlson in right field, switch hitting, stud in the making, gold glove capability. Like you think the outfield is set for years, at least I did. And then things went sideways fast, man, like fast. O'Neal and Bader, they both get hurt. O'Neal gets hurt multiple times. Bader ends up having the, the plantar fasciitis. Um, Carlson has a rough March in April. He hits 184. Bounces back in May at 314. Decent June at 288. But then he declines every month from there. 231, 217, 189. Just ugly. The power never showed up. Not sure where that went. Just eight home runs all year. And he essentially, by the end of the season, became a platoon player because he couldn't hit a lick against right-handers versus lefty. Outstanding. Outstanding. 305 batting average. OBP, 369. Nice. Slugging percentage, 477. OPS, 845. Those are good numbers. Left-handed, though, 207. 294 OBP. 339 slugging OPS 633 stinky just not good night and day now he did deal with wrist and thumb injuries and we know there is the the popular sophomore slump thing that some players deal with that you can blame things on and that's fine if you want to find excuses go for it clearly something was off this year though something didn't seem right and just reading the body language language of Dylan Carlson I'm, I'm not some pro, you know, I don't, I don't 
do that for a living by any means, but you can just tell, like he just lacked confidence. It, it felt like a confidence thing with him. You know, you watch guys like Nolan Arenado and uh, Paul Goldschmidt. I know we're talking about the best of the best, but how about on a lower level, Tyler O'Neill? Tyler O'Neill strikes out a lot, swings and misses and strikes out a lot. Do you ever see him like hang his head way down here, just kind of walk back to the dugout? No, he swings and misses. He's like, get him next time, right? They take their hacks, and if the pitcher gets the best of them, they don't. They don't do that. They don't hang their heads and stare at their shoe tops. Walk back to the dugout in shame. No, they brush it off. They move on to the next at bat. And it just seemed to me like he carried the weight around from each out that he made with him to their to that next plate appearance. And, you know, he's basically walking in the box already defeated in a way because he doesn't believe in himself. And then you've got the injuries. That didn't help any. After Bader got traded, he seemed to look a little bit more comfortable. They move him to center. They gave him this vote of confidence like, we love you. We want to keep you. You're our new center fielder. Run with it. And for a stint there, he looked pretty darn good. And then he hurt his thumb. Remember? Hurts his thumb, and then and then he's gone again for a while. Um, yeah, the rumors of him being that centerpiece in a trade for possibly Juan Soto. That went on for a couple of weeks. And, um, you know, he's told he wouldn't move, and maybe, you know, maybe that was some added pressure put on him too, where he's like, oh, gosh, they're going to trade me if I don't do this, if I don't show up and – you know, hit 430 bombs and whatever. Some people put that extra pressure on them. So mentally, maybe he just was a just tough year for him. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I'm just thinking up of reasons why he might have had a down year because he did. But I sense a lot of question marks from fans surrounding him moving forward. Like a lot of people wanted him to be traded for Juan Soto. I was one of those guys. I had no problems trading a Dylan Carlson for a Juan Soto. Not at all. And when it started to creep out that he was one of the reasons why they didn't want to make a move for Soto because they they didn't want to trade him. I think a lot of us were like, what? I mean, is Dylan Carlson really that good? Especially after this year. So we're going to talk about his future with the Cardinals. We'll do that next here on Locked on Cardinals. Following his uh, fantastic rookie year and then the ugly second year, I'm one of those guys who is normally optimistic about a player. That he'll, you know, have a turnaround year, barring any injuries. But do I foresee Dylan Carlson not only having a bounce back year, but being a future superstar? The way he kind of was sold to us when he was coming up, like, dude, this is going to be the guy. Remember, we haven't really heard that. We heard that about Alex Reyes. That didn't work out because of injuries, not because of his stuff. We heard that about Oscar Tavares. Rest in peace. That didn't work out. I see why people get frustrated with the front office talking about the prospects because they make it sound like they're all amazing hall of famers in the, in the making. And then when it doesn't happen, it's quite a letdown. But after seeing Dylan Carlson play, this is his third year up on the Cardinals. Do I see him being a future superstar? And I got to say, no, not really. I feel like he's a solid major league baseball player. Don't get me wrong. Great arm, great glove. Um, He's not a big guy. He's 6'2", but he's 205. He's very, very lean. Home run power, I'm not expecting that to be much. I'm going to put a cap on maybe 20 home runs. That's probably what I'll get to. Batting average, 260s, maybe 270s at some point. Because he doesn't have the blazing speed. He's got good speed. He doesn't have the blazing speed to 
beat out infield hits and stuff like that to add those extra, you know, numbers to make his average grow that much more. But again, it's not like those numbers are bad. I'm not, I'm not saying this guy's a scrub. It's just not jump off the page numbers that I think a lot of us were hoping for when we heard about Dylan Carlson coming up. And when it came out, the team wouldn't move Carlson in an effort to get Juan Soto, who was a superstar player. It makes me put even more pressure on him. Me personally, I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm saying me personally, when I see we didn't trade to get that stud, this guy, well, this guy better be awesome or that's kind of stupid, right? So now there's that extra need for him to succeed in my eyes. Because if he was the holdup, because we don't know what the rest of the deal was going to be. We don't know if it was Dylan Carlson and Jordan Walker and Mason. You know, we don't know. But we know that Carlson was a part of the talks and they said no. But if Carlson doesn't live up to expectations, we're all going to go back at some point and go, what if we had just traded Dylan Carlson and gotten Juan Soto? But don't get me wrong. He's not a dead stick. All right. This is not me bashing Dylan Carlson. Again, he's 24 years old. He's only had two full seasons under his belt. I'm guessing that he snaps back into form this coming season. I really am. And I think if you've got Dylan in center, a healthy Tyler Broneal in left field, Lars Newbar in right, and him continuing on his path that he's kind of launched, people are very high on him which makes me wonder if we should trade him now <laughs> in case he doesn't live up to what everybody thinks he's going to be now. Um, you got an all-around solid outfield uh, offensively and defensively, you know? And then you got Juan Yepes, and you've got Alec Burleson, and uh, Super X Factor Jordan Walker pushing for time. More and more I read about stuff, people expect Jordan Walker on this team, maybe even out of spring training. It's a possibility. But I'm not sweating the outfield. I think they've got plenty of talent. And Carlson, I think, is going to be a big piece of that in 2023. All right. Thanks for making Locked On Cardinals your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. As always, be sure to like and subscribe on YouTube. Follow on Twitter at LO underscore Cardinals and at JD Sports Radio. You're the best fans in baseball for a reason. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you next time on Locked on Cardinals.